Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. Hi, Lizzie. It's getting cramped in here. Man, I just am running out of elbow room. (laughs) We're very excited. We have a very special guest in the studio with us today. And uh, we're excited for you guys to hear this episode because it's Matilda, y'all. If you're not already subscribed to our Patreon, it's a very low price of $5 a month. You get to see all the video elements of this podcast, as well as some cool behind-the-scenes features. And if you don't want to or you can't, that's totally fine. We're just happy that you're here. Totally fine. I also want to plug my favorite perk on the Patreon page is as a Patreon member, you get to put in your vote for what we do for our fan service bonus episodes, or even at the higher levels, put in your vote for what movies we cover. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I like choice me. Yes, you know. exactly. And we often can't even pick what we're going to do. It's like one or the other. It's Sophie's choice. So we would appreciate <laughs> your help. Yes. But today is a very, very, very special day for many reasons. The number one being that we have a guest in the studio, Susan Gordon. Howdy. Hi, Susan. It's your birthday. It is my birthday. (laughs) So, uh, hi, everyone. I'm a big fan. I'm not a Patreon member, but I should be. That's okay. No, you you just coming onto our pod is more than enough support. So, Susan, can you tell us a little bit about you? Yes. I'm an avid fan of Subtextual Podcast. That's all I do five days a week because on the weekends I get plugged in and then I'm recharged again and then I listen to it uh, the podcast again on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. Uh, Thursday and Friday, yep. I'm also an actor, but (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Susan's our personal uh, subtextual bot. She just roams on the internet (laughs) and spreads cheer about subtextual. If I could put you in the hot seat, Susan, do you have a favorite episode? Uh, Fried Green Tomatoes. Classic. It's the the first first one one. and the best one. It made me cry. Yeah, that one does. cry? Yeah. Oh my God, that's the biggest compliment ever. I told you that. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) We made a robot cry. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's oil. It leaks from the, the crevice of my face. So, Susan, we are so happy to have you here on your birthday because I have heard that this is one of your favorite films of all time. It is. Yes, since birth. Late, because it came out three years after I was born. It came out of the womb with you. Yeah, I looked it up on IMDb today to see when it came out. Wait, what year did it come out? 1996. Great 1996. Year. Great year for cinema. So there's another movie similar to this one that came out in 1996, James and the Giant Peach. Mm. I fuck with that movie hard. A lot of people think it's Tim Burton. It's not. It It looks like Tim Burton. No, it's the the guy who does stop motion animation for Tim Burton. His name is Paul something. Henry Selleck. Henry Selleck is the director. He seemed like Paul to me, I guess. (laughs) Um, So can we go around and talk about our relationship with Matilda? Mm -hmm. Like... What, you, Susan, you start because you're the birthday girl. I will start because, okay, I have a very uh, vivid memory, memory about Matilda, Matilda, Matilda. Um, and uh, <laughs> I remember being like three and I was in my parents' bedroom and they were there. I bet my brother was there. I don't know. My other brother wasn't born yet. And it was on the TV. And I just remember just like watching Matilda and identifying with Matilda and being like, I want to be smart like her. Her. Oh. Don't you guys remember that? Yeah. I had a similar experience. Mm-hmm. What's your experience with Matilda, Sam? Um, Matilda was one of those movies that I watched along with like Harry Potter that I believed if I just 
tried hard enough I could make <laughs> shit move with my mind, yes! you know, and it, it was so hard for me as a kid to accept that I couldn't make things move with my mind. So I just read a lot of books. You, But you hoped the more books you read. The bigger my brain, the more things I could move with my mind. It did not work out. Yeah. What about yeah, you? Hey, don't stop trying, babe. <laughs> <laughs> my brain's too big as it is. So I have a very like kind of sad relationship with this movie. I actually saw it for the first time this past Christmas. Really? Because my mom would not let me watch it as well as Harry Potter because she thought it was about like witchcraft and she was like Aww. totally against witchcraft. So she's like, if my daughter watches this, she'll become a witch. And I'm like, I'm a witch anyway. <laughs> it did not work. Yeah, that did not play out the way that she thought it would. Yeah. That's crazy. So I have a very short relationship with this movie, but it has affected me, like, retrospectively. I yeah. can, like, feel past me being like, hell yeah, we love this movie. It's very, very, like, very women empowerment. Yeah. I watched the first half today and I was like, dang, Danny DeVito. Oh, am I giving away too much? No, no you're okay. okay. <laughs> if I could really quickly, Lizzie, you said that you had a bad relationship with this film. This is a tangent, so please feel free to cut it. But I <laughs> thought about it and it made me laugh. I thought you were going to say something like traumatic happened to you while you were watching it. Because I used to work as a waitress and there was another waitress that used to work with me. And she wouldn't eat shellfish. And when I pressed her on it, I was like, are you allergic or something? She was like, no. And I was like, okay, so like you just don't like the taste of it? And she was like, if you must know, like the first time I ate selfish, I was at like a party and someone drowned. Oh, oh we all have stuff like that. Yeah. And so she's like, now I just can't eat it. So I thought that you were going to say something similar. Well, a little more on topic. I was talking to one of my partner's uh, family members about this episode recently. And they were like, oh, yeah, I don't like chocolate cake because of that scene in Matilda was so like grotesque to no, me that now I have a weird greasy feeling anytime I eat chocolate cake. And I was like, <laughs> this movie is ingrained in our entire generation. And you haven't even seen it and you knew about it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I don't feel like I miss out on this movie much because it is so a part of our cultural yeah. like lexicon. And I've seen so many images from it and just heard about it. Like it felt familiar to me when I was watching it, you know, whatever, six months ago. Yeah, it's in the canon like with yeah. like Fast and the Furious so you're like I don't I don't need to revisit that like I'm pretty sure I know everything that happens in those movies are you kidding me I watch this movie every year <laughs> how many times it. how many times do you think you've seen I've this movie I've seen it over 30 times like this is me my little brother's favorite movie this is our tradition. Whenever we're in the same room, we will watch this or Pocahontas. Oh, my God. I live for Pocahontas. <laughs> so problematic. But she was so inspiring to me. I know. Me too. Fuck. The I only reason love I love The music in both Matilda and Pocahontas is beautiful. And I've noticed mm -hmm. that anything I really love has really good music. So I kind of like orient myself towards things that have good soundtracks. You brought up Labyrinth earlier. Yes. yes. That's a great soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And the only scene I skip over is the song I hate. Which song? Tell me. The one where they take their heads off. Oh. I hate that song. Yes. I, I fuck with that song, no. but it is like oogie boogie. It's like out of nowhere, kind of creepy and weird. It's kind of like the Heffalumps and Woozle song in the in the Winnie the Pooh movie. Oh. The Heffalumps and Woozles, oh. every slice, yeah. slice, slice. They come with ones and twosles, but in there's oh. <laughs> Scary shit, y'all. Kids should not be viewing this shit. Kids get, like, I've been scarred by movies as a young person mm -hmm. and as an old person. I was talking to my girlfriend before I fell asleep. I was, like, on the way out, and I, like, woke up, and I was like, was Coraline supposed to be that frightening? Because <laughs> yeah. I think it was for kids. It was. And that's also Henry Selleck. Oh. That's I think he did. Yeah, you're right. All right, so let's talk about Matilda the film. So for those of you who haven't seen it, here's a brief synopsis that I stole from IMDb. 
um, which I technically stole from Jeff Bezos. So, ha! Um, A girl gifted with a keen intellect and psychic powers uses both to deal with her cruel, distant family and free her kind teacher from their sadistic gay headmistress. (laughs) What? I adjusted that slightly. (laughs) What part? (laughs) My favorite thing is when Lizzie goes, in case you haven't seen it, like this is their first stop (laughs) if they haven't seen a movie that's 20 years old. I bet you you could not find a human being alive that hasn't seen Matilda. I bet you could. People are getting born right now. Oh, that's well, true. Oh, yeah. Then people. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. I watched this yesterday with my four-year-old niece. Juge. Juge. And she was living. She was, she did not blink. She did that's not move. That's how we felt when we watched it. Yeah. Okay. So some key players in Matilda. So I was 30 years old when I found out that Danny DeVito directed Matilda. Okay. How does Danny DeVito have the right to be such a good director? Am I right? Like, this is a flawlessly directed film. Didn't he write it, too? Or is that in my brain wrong? So, he did not write it, but it is, it's based on a book by Roald Dahl, who mm-hmm. wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And the two writers, I have some info on them because I thought they were cute, but the two writers were a married couple named Robin Swicord and Nicholas Kazan. So, Robin Swicord. She, I owe this bitch a lot. She wrote The Little Women in 1994 with Winona Ryder, Practical Magic, and The mm. Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which anyone who knows me knows that that is the... F- <laughs> I was watching The Curious Case of Benjamin Button when I had my first kiss. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Which is so gross. That is like such the opposite of my experience that movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not. You shouldn't watch that on a date. No, it won't do good. It won't bode well <laughs> for your relationship. So that was Robin Swicord. And then her husband, Nicholas Kazan, was the son of Elia Kazan, who directed A Streetcar Named Desire. Uh, so a little bit of nepotism, but this guy wrote Enough, which is, oh. I fuck with that movie. We've spoke about this before I used to on the watch pod. that by myself when I was nine. Like because getting was, ready to fight someone. I was rooting for J-Lo so much. Absolutely. You guys should do that on the pod. I mean, the haircut <gasps> is debatably gay. I think it's Don't definitely worth talking about. I've yeah. never actually seen it. You should see it. <sighs> okay, so I'm sorry if we gave anything away. No, I, I kind of get the idea of the movie. She yeah. gets beat up by her husband. She beats him up. Because she had enough. Yeah. That's enough. <laughs> I wish they said that. She said that in the movie. <laughs> She's like, I've had enough. <laughs> I wonder what the tagline is for that movie. Just, I'm just going to look it up real quick. It's She's Had Enough. If it's She's Had Enough, I'll give you $5. Self-defense ain't murder. That's Sorry, what was, it says? I was looking it up. Oh, her haircut is out. very gay. You should right? do something on this. So gay. Yeah. She, she kind of looks like Johnny K plus eight, but cooler because it's J-Lo. Yes. How dare she have that haircut? And look good. It's almost and low insulting. slung jeans. Mm-mm, no. I don't miss those jeans. Me Nobody neither. Nobody misses those jeans. Fuck those jeans. Okay, we were talking about <laughs> Ilya Kazan. Yeah, those are the writers. But Danny DeVito directed, and it starred Danny DeVito, Mara Wilson, Rhea Perlman, Imbeth Davids, and Pam Ferris. So I kind of just want to go through and talk a little bit about all these different casts because this cast is phenomenal. Susan, you're an actress. Like, Oh, I have opinions. Let's see. Let's hear it. Do you want it now or later? Because now. we're at the beginning of this podcast. Lay it down. I literally, I don't know the name of the actress who plays Miss Trunchbull. 
Pam Ferris. Pam Ferris. If you're out there watching this TikTok, I don't know if you're live. <laughs> she's alive. She's alive. Great. So you're old and alive and wonderful. I literally have had this conversation about five times in my lifetime. You deserved an Oscar for your your performance as Miss Trunchbull. And I genuinely believe that because comedic roles don't get enough awards. Marissa, Mar- Marissa, Mar- Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei is like the one person who's gotten a comedic Oscar. I will watch this movie and be like, there's so much detail in that performance and it and it's kid friendly, but also terrifying. And no offense, Neil Patrick Harris and uh, what's that guy's name? The one who's Jim Carrey. Series of unfortunate events deserved like Brian Cranston or someone who could carry the nightmare of Count Olaf with the silliness. And that's what she succeeds at in this movie. And I genuinely believe that. I concur. And a lot of people contest Marissa Tomei's winning from My Cousin Vinny, which I think is so unfounded. Like there was just because she was funny, you're going to contest the fact that she won. It wasn't like it was stacked with other people that deserved it or something. So they're acting like comedic roles don't have complexity. In fact, I think they're more difficult. Oh, I know you love this actress, The Room, but like set up to win an Oscar. Yeah, like like Oscar bait. There's never a comedy Oscar bait. Or for that matter, horror. I think horror gets put in the same box of like, oh, you're in horror? It means nothing. And I'm like, horror can go deeper because it has all these boxes it has to check, but then it can like dive way down. Side comment. I know you guys hated The Haunting. No, what listen, makes you we say just that? thought it was bad. <laughs> listen, I, every time you do a movie, it was a movie I loved when I was nine. And that was, the, since this is a gay podcast, that was the year I was first depressed because my first crush happened. And I hated myself because I grew up religious. I'm sorry, mom. Anyway, so um, that movie made me live when that lady was all sad and then the the wood in the bed they were all like help us help us and i was like so cool because i was nine and i could watch it so you're saying this is a gay podcast you said (laughs) (laughs) whatever wow way to put us in a box (laughs) Um, i'm just kidding we are we dove into the box and we taped it up from the inside in fact i play barbie at birthday parties and they make boxes for you to stand in for pictures oh my gosh they're like keep away kids you're grimy no it's to be the doll in the box do you get hot yeah yeah the box looks hot yeah thank you All right. (laughs) So something I just found out recently, this is kind of a sidebar, but okay. So Matilda is a book. It's also this movie, but it's also a Broadway musical. And that Broadway musical is getting made into a 2022 film. I already know how you feel about this. Wait, the musical is getting made into a film? Yes. And we're going to watch the trailer real quick just to get some like live reactions. Matilda Wormwood. Criminals like you need a real lesson. Susan, what do you think about this? Why does Miss Trunchbull have CGI on her fucking face? I will go back. I have opinions. I'm an Aries rising. And it's my birthday. And I'm a fire sign. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You can't give an Oscar to Pam, but you can give this lady CGI acting abilities? Just get an old lady. Just get Pam back. Pam could come back. I don't care. I don't care. <sighs> okay, listen. Children that are in that movie, great job. But uh, Emma Thompson's in enough. Is that the right lady? Yeah. 
Emma Thompson, you're in enough. You were in that Will Ferrell movie where you chain smoke cigarettes and were my favorite part. What is it called? Stranger than fiction. Whatever. Great. You're a great actress. Do you need to be Miss Trunchbull? No. Get Pam back. I don't care if she's in a wheelchair. I don't care. That would be more frightening if it was the same <laughs> Trunchbull in a wheelchair. Yeah. So Susan's excited about the movie. No. Uh, Sam, <laughs> No, I feel everything you just said. I think that her, like Emma Thompson's Trunchbull looks awful. No, I'm not mad at her performance. It's just like if I Pam am. can't get an award for her performance, why cast another person? Just cut the old Trunchbull in. <laughs> <I'm> so- <laughs> Bring the old Trunchbull back. I, I agree. <laughs> I think most of Trunchbull's fear-inducing qualities happens to be from her physical demeanor. And when yes. you when you suit someone up like that no. and you do prosthetics, I, I get that they're also trying to make her frightening, but Trunchbull had a, such a control of her body. I mean, she, she was scary and she was big, but she was an athlete. Yeah. And she was very crafted when, with her throws and whatnot. So it's like the only thing more scary than a big person is a big person that knows how to use their body. Yeah. Fun fact. Also, this trench pole seems less gay to me. I mean, yes. remember the 90s sweats that the original trench pole is in? You can't get gayer than that. Yeah. yeah. Where's her house where she lives alone? <laughs> I just, there's no house for her to go to and be alone in like any good 90s lesbian. Eat her chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> Much too good for children. <laughs> You're yeah, right I totally that. agree. This, like, I'm sure it'll be fun because it's a musical and I will watch it because why not? But I'm totally disappointed by Trunchbull. It's one of those things where they have to put, like, a name actor in it to, like, get people to watch it. And when I was on IMDb, like, just looking through shit and, like, all the latest articles about Matilda or about this trailer and how excited people are. And people were like, oh, Emma Thompson disappears into the role of Trunchbull. And I'm like, literally, no, she does not. They're just like fake ass making us excited about this movie when basically it speak for itself. They probably took Pam's performance and then CGI'd it onto Emma Thompson's face. So now she's gonna win the Oscar. There's no way this is getting any Oscar Absolutely recognition. Not. All There's, right. You guys know no more way. about that than me. I listened to your Oscar episode. It is a so. musical comedy starring children. It is getting nowhere near the Oscars. What is, that, what is that Drive My Car? You guys are obsessed with that. I love that movie. Yeah. It's yeah. like the opposite of Matilda the yeah, musical. Yeah, exactly. All right. They wouldn't touch this with like a 10-foot pole. No way. But uh, Miss Trunchbull would in the 90s version because she probably threw them. Yeah. She Javelins, baby. Hammer track and field. Th- hammer throw. <laughs> Did y'all know that uh, the Trunchbull character is based off of a real athlete? Really? Yeah. Uh, I have her picture here. I thought she was really cool. Uh, her name was Faina Melnik. She was from Ukraine. And in the 70s, she broke like a trillion records. That's a hot woman. Hot woman. Look at her arms. How? Buff. God damn. Hammer throw. Right? <laughs> and I love her. <laughs> I want her to play Miss Trunchbull for Kit Pam. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm really kidding, Pam. If you, if you see this, I love you. <laughs> Please, we gotta get Fam Paris, Pam Ferris, Fam Paris. We gotta get, we gotta get Pam Ferris on the pod. I will visit you in your nursing home, and I will feed you food. She's, Why am I being so mean to Pam? Probably she's probably not, not that, old. that old. How old is she? She's probably like. I think she's like seventy four, seventy six. Oh, never mind, I was Pam. looking it up. Pam, you're fine. I'm sorry, Pam. Cut that out. I don't want to. You're like Pam's a mummy. <laughs> Rest in peace, Pam. <laughs> she's like literally still acting like currently. I hope so. She, she is. is. She was in Harry Potter. 
Yeah, she was Aunt Marge mm-hmm. in the third Harry Potter. She blew up like a balloon. Yeah. And wow. I was like, there's Miss Trunchbull. I never caught that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just found that out. Yeah. A great. She's very successful. She's she's acted in a lot in stage, TV, movies. And you can tell she does stage because she's so good. I feel like you would love this, but apparently in the Matilda re-release, like the 30th anniversary mm-hmm. or whatever DVD that just came out, they for some reason had like a picnic with all the cast members where they would like reenact scenes and they redid the scene with like the pigtails. Oh my God. And it was... <laughs> Really cool to see Pam Ferris turn it out. Like she still has it, and of it's like a really awkward setup. I'll send you the videos I because would love that. <laughs> she really is a professional. Um, so the other main star of this is Mara Wilson. She played Matilda. So Mara Wilson was a very successful child actor in the '90s. Her first feature was Mrs. Doubtfire. She played one of the children, and she was also in Miracle on 34th Street. And she was in a smattering of other movies. I did a lot of research on her and learned a lot about her. Here's here's a fun fact that is just like whatever, but apparently she's the cousin of Ben Shapiro. Get out of here. (laughs) But she like totally disavowed him because they do not agree on anything politically. He's very conservative and she's not. Who is that? May I? Yes. Ben Shapiro is a conservative talking head who's a turf, anti-trans publicly. He'll debate people on stage about how being biologically something doesn't mean that you can identify in any other way. He's a disgusting person. I hate him and I hope he dies. Guess what? I have only one thing to say to you, Ben Shapiro. Fuck you. Fuck you, Ben Shapiro. You are a human fart, but you're not funny enough to be a human fart, so you're not. Yeah. Your own cousin, Mara Wilson, hates you. Farts elicit too much joy for you to be compared to them. Fun fact, my friend saw, what's her name, Mara? Mara Wilson. Mara Wilson in a bar in L.A. And I think Mara Wilson's bi. Yes. She's bi! Yeah. Hey, that was a reveal I had. I'm She's sorry. bisexual. <laughs> no, it was going to come out eventually. Ah, ah. I get it. Yeah, but when I found that out, I was like, yes, I knew it. So, okay, so her coming out story was really interesting, and I related a lot to what she went through. So... She actually came out publicly on Twitter in 2016 after the Pulse nightclub shooting in Florida. So she said of coming out publicly at that time that it was like a distinct choice. She said, I don't see myself as anybody's savior, but I'd rather it were me who can afford therapy and afford this platform getting harassed for being who I am than a young LGBTQ kid. I think it's important. And... She got a lot of flack for coming out publicly, people saying like, oh, you're just doing this for attention. And she said, I often wish that I hadn't done it then because I got accused of taking advantage of a tragedy for personal attention. Now, clearly, I like attention, but I am not so callous as to make a tragedy about myself, my life and my story. That isn't what I was going for. And then she said something that was really powerful in like an interview with another woman about this whole coming out story that she had. And she said, a lot of people like to tell women and especially queer women that they are doing things for attention. And it is strange to me that the worst thing a woman can do is do something for attention. And I was like, you're damn right. Like, this woman has every right to come out how she wants, when she wants, in whatever way she wants. And even if she was to be doing it for attention, which obviously here, it's not the case. She's kind of like, in her own words, like a shield for other LGBTQ 
people who don't have the platform and the like limited number of fame that she has. And I understand why she did that. And it makes me really mad that that it would be something that she would get flack for. Yeah, I think that um, that's a response a lot of queer people get. Uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, in a time after like, especially after like the Pulse nightclub shooting, that other queer people would probably jump on the bandwagon of hating on someone like Mara Wilson. And it's, I think it has a lot to do with like internalized homophobia. I don't have any of that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no one here in this room is dealing. Nope, sure not me. So yeah, I really appreciate Mara's perspective of a bisexual woman because I do think there's a lot of stigmas, especially in media, of bisexual characters being portrayed as like crazy or manipulative or like attention seeking. And so her just like openness about this, I was reading it and I was like, yes, yes, yes. I totally relate to everything you're saying. So Mara, I think we would be friends. I think all of us here would be friends. So if you ever want to come on the pod, I'm going to tag you in this episode. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Could you imagine? That would be the best day. What my life would be <laughs> when Mara Wilson comes came. on the pod with me. <laughs> we have been friends with Susan for a long time. I don't know if y'all can get. Yeah. Do we want to talk about how we all met? Is we that, might as well. Is that cute? I'm going to let cute. you lead so I can follow along like the listeners. Yeah. So we all went to college together. So I've known you both for 10 years. Yeah. Damn. Potentially over 10 years. I don't. Potentially. I think 11 years is uh, you came in 2012 and I was there at 2011. So you two know each other a whole decade. Well, I, Susan is the reason that I know you, Lizzie. <gasps> Wait, really? Yeah, so my orientation day at our college, I saw Susan perform with the improv troupe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I thought Susan was the coolest person that's ever existed. It's true. Because it's true. And um, <laughs> after I saw that, they were like, we're having auditions. And oh my I was God. like, I'm going to be this person's friend. I auditioned and I got in and that's how I met another one of our friends. And then the, just all of the friend group like opened up. And then we went to a Halloween party together where Susan pretended to be her cousin. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. And I, I, that is my favorite prank I've ever done. <laughs> and it was so believable. So Susan put on a wig and everyone was like, who are you? How, who do you know here? And Susan was like, I'm Susan's cousin and fooled at least 70% of the party goers. One of our best friends was like falling in love with Susan's <laughs> cousin. I love this story, but I won't <laughs> say who. <laughs> Just know that I still love that memory, you. Fucking iconic. <laughs> and that's the party that I met Lizzie at. Yep. That's insane to me. Wow. Also, it's crazy that you thought I was cool because I think you're, I'm not saying this because you said it about me. Like, I genuinely do think you are very cool, calm and collected, like in Thank a way you. that my personality is the exact opposite of Sam, and <laughs> mm -hmm. we've worked together, and I've had freakouts in front of Sam. Like, yeah, we've been around. She's been around me before I knew what therapy was. Um, Same. <laughs> and I always am like, you're kind of like my uh, brother's girlfriend. She just is so cool, and like I will never. I'm a theater kid, so I will never achieve that level of like cool and that's okay with me like I'm totally okay with it I can maybe fake it in the character but it's not me in real life and I just that's crazy that you thought I was cool thank also, you fun fact for the audience I was banned from doing uh, orientation improv shows because I made um, a yeast infection uh, innuendo about my cream filled strudel <laughs> if we could go back to like 
I, I was thinking you were cool and you were thinking I was cool. I think a lot of friendships start with like a mutual platonic attraction yeah. to each other where yeah. you, it's like a friend crush where you're just like, oh, I just think that they do these things a cool way. I would have never guessed that. To really? I, no, I, I really never would have guessed that. It actually makes my day. <laughs> I'm working on giving verbal compliments. And you totally succeeded. So tell your therapist. Oh, I will. <laughs> She's doing such a good job with you. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, another fun fact, <laughs> because this is one of my strongest memories of college, but we were in an all-female improv troupe. We were. Named... <laughs> The name of our troop was one, two, three. Who, who farted? <laughs> we had one show. I wasn't even there because I took it out. Lizzie, Lizzie bailed. It was the gay prom improv show. Oh my god, y'all did great. I, I saw have, a video of it, but I wasn't there. I've we done, killed that night. We did. Mm-hmm. I just remember. No <laughs> she has no memory. I was closeted when we would do <laughs> practices, and I don't know if you remember this, Sam. I made you and another member of the improv troupe climb into a pubic hair rope into the inside of a vagina. It's coming back to me now. And I thought that was the best scene of the entire practice. But I was straight. And that's all you need to know about me. You know how I kind of knew you were going to come out eventually, other than like everything you say and did, is you always cast yourself as like inanimate objects, like staplers and cheese sticks. And I was like, she's exploring. (laughs) Susan would come out and be like, yeah, I'm gay. And you're like, okay, Susan's doing that thing. (laughs) Okay, Susan's a paperclip, this this practice. I just remember in high school, uh, Casting myself as the male sheriff on purpose <laughs> to change oh, the world. There's a new sheriff in yeah. town. Oh, oh like man. That. Memory lane. Yeah. Let's stomp down memory Fun lane. Fun fact, they make you drunk on this show in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we get the truth out of you. Yeah, I'm glad it's working. Pam deserved an Oscar. <laughs> That's the truth. Oh, God, help us all. Oh, where were we? I took us on a, a Wait, fucking trip, didn't I? We went on a trip. We're talking about Matilda. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I have a very important question to ask y'all. And maybe I'll get Sam to go first. Yes. But I want to talk to you about your favorite scene or like the most standout scene in Matilda. Um, there's one scene that I think is really central to the film where like she's making all the cards dance. I think that's great. But the scene that when I think about remembering very physically was the scene that Matilda's outside the window of the home and she's moving the chocolate towards her. I remember as a kid being so frightened for like her life and my life being, I was just so afraid. I was like, get out of there. You don't need the fucking <laughs> chocolate, you know? Well, it was like a kid alone at night, which to me was like, I would never leave my house as a child alone. Like that mm-hmm. scared the shit out of me. Plus she's already had a run in with Trunchbull at this point who will literally kill her on sight. Eat her like a, like a fish. Dude. Or like chocolate. Yes. And you saw this when you were much older. So like did that childlike fear come through in your watch? Absolutely, because the Trunchbull, like on the adult side, it's heavily insinuated that she killed her own stepbrother, Miss <gasps> um, Honey's dad. Yeah. So she is a literal murderer. And mm-hmm. also she says to Miss Honey at some point, I broke your arm once and I can do it again. Like she is a violent person. So yeah, I was fucking terrified. Yeah. And she is queer coded as like a villain. Yeah. I mean, we're this is subtextual. We're talking about queer subtext and we can get to the more nuanced points of that. But I think it was very specific that they had her physicality a certain way and then, you know, implied that she was gay because she was like living alone. She's a spinster, on, you know, such and yeah. such that it made it all 
I, it hit home a little bit harder, I think, for me as like a young person. Because I was like, oh my God, what if I grow up and I'm an evil monster that breaks people's arms? And murders people because you're gay. Exactly. But like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I watched this as an adult and y'all watch this more as children. But even though Trunchbull is like evil to the core, I still like get a lot of like energy from her and I still like see her as kind of an empowering character in a weird way like she her motives are totally evil but ultimately I was like very glad to have a very queer character in the movie Mm -hmm. despite the fact that she's evil because like what Susan said earlier Pam Ferris did such a good job with the nuance of the performance that I still am like in awe of her character even more so than anyone probably well I get that they've, I think they've villainized a lot of gay people, I'm yeah. assuming, in, in history. I'm not assuming, I know. Um, <laughs> but think about it in a positive way. This It's not positive, but I just am grateful that she exists. I'm grateful that they did make Trunchbull gay. I, I will say my favorite scene in a second, but it has to do with that. No, you go ahead. Yeah. Um, so my favorite scene in the whole movie, I'm going to sing. <clears throat> It's in the classroom, and it's my favorite joke of the whole movie. Well, I have two favorite jokes of the whole movie. But it's uh, when Miss Trunchbull is observing the class. Uh, you know, when they, like, hide all the colorful stuff. Yeah. And, uh-huh. yeah. So um, so she's, like, walking, and then she goes to the pigtail girl again because apparently she hates blondes. Anyway, maybe she just wanted blonde hair. That girl maybe, looks like you, Susan. Thank you. I was going to be here for Halloween, and I never did it. <gasps> That's cute. I did Miss Trunchbull instead. Just That's saying. hilarious. Um, And so she says... Mrs. Honey taught us how to spell difficulty. She taught us how to spell difficulty in a song. Mrs. D, Mrs. I, Mrs. F, F, I, Mrs. C, Mrs. U, Mrs. L, T, Y. Why are all these women married? <laughs> that is literally my favorite line in the entire in the movie. movie. Why are all these women married? Fun fact. This was before gay marriage was legal. Yeah. So that before. is a literally coded joke. My favorite. And I didn't find that out until I was older. Yeah. Like, I didn't find out. I was like, hey, <laughs> I get that. Danny DeVito, the director. <laughs> Also, in the in the chocolate cake scene, when um she like calls out the cook, she's like, Cookie, come out here with the cake. I was like, is Cookie her lover? Yes. Right? Absolutely. Because like, she like is the only person she's like semi-sweet to is like, thanks, Cookie. And I'm like, she's fucking the lunch lady. She is. <laughs> I think my heart always went out to Miss Trunchbull, obviously, for reasons I couldn't understand as a child, because it's a children's movie that I related to her in some like weird way for wanting a life that was like, quote unquote, unconventional. But also... It was so clear when Miss Honey is recounting like how Trunchbull was raised versus how she was raised that like Miss Honey was raised with love and she had parents that cared for her and told her that she was important. But Miss Trunchbull didn't have any of that. So she I don't know. I'm not trying to make things serious when they're not, but it just seemed like it is serious. I I genuinely believe there's a lot of subs subtext. Yeah, you wouldn't say. Uh, No, I'm not (laughs) kidding. Like, go on, please. I will. I will only strengthen your argument. I think if Miss Trunchbull was raised in a similar way that Miss Honey was raised, if they were raised with the same amount of love and care, Miss Trunchbull's life would have hit another direction. You know, maybe she would have come out as a queer woman. Maybe she would have been comfortable herself. I don't. I doubt she would have murdered anybody or hurt <laughs> anybody. But, you know, this was before gay marriage. This was, it's a, seems like it's a small town full of people like Danny DeVito. Like, <laughs> fuck, like if you're going to get ahead, like your strength comes in your physical strength. You know, there's only so many avenues that this person can put that in 
Yeah, you could definitely feel the hidden history of Miss Trunchbull. And I even argue that instead of like a fucking Matilda musical movie, I would rather see the Trunchbull <gasps> origin story movie. Like a Joker style. Yes. I just died inside. Because she obviously has trauma. Absolutely. If like, and because she's constantly striking back against all the feminine like, she targets the more feminine characters in the film. Amanda, the pigtails, Miss Honey with her dresses and soft demeanor. So, obviously, someone told her as a young person, you need to be masculine. You need to grow up now. You need to have just what you need. Like, she's always kind of in this scarcity mindset where she's, like, trying to steal from other people. So, I mean, as an adult watching this, I was like, this is a traumatized individual. She was definitely traumatized as a child. And, you know, it doesn't excuse her behavior, but it gives a reason for why she's acting this way. Question, not question. Just, I just realized, I didn't realize, I realized this, like, when I was watching it earlier today. She hates children because she hated herself as a child. Yeah. Let's just say it. Like, the hate comes from somewhere. Internalized mm-hmm. homophobia. Absolutely. So, like, she grew up as a child who hated themselves. And um, she just never learned how to um, process that in a proper way. No, yeah. She, yeah. like, took it out in, like, the most hateful way possible. Also, she deserves a safe gym. Doesn't she work out at home? Trunchbull deserves to do the hammer throw in a safe queer gym. Yes. More queer gyms for Mrs. Trunchbull. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Get her a membership. Yeah. I need it. I need it. So I guess I'll name my favorite scene, which I guess I have to like think about now. Lee, what's yours so I can steal it? Favorite scene? Yeah. I like the chocolate cake scene a lot, actually. That's funny when you said that um, someone was grossed out by it because, and maybe you feel the same, Susan, but I was like, I would love to have a whole chocolate cake and eat it. (laughs) Yeah, let's unpack that scene because that's probably (laughs) the most iconic uh scene in the whole film and it's the one that I had somehow I had heard about it so much I feel like I've watched it before even though I hadn't so actually would y'all like to take a moment to watch that scene absolutely cookie she made this cake just for you to have on your very own Her sweat and blood went into this cake, and you will not leave this platform until you have consumed the entire confection. Entire confection. Bruce looks real bad. Give up. I yeah, think about you that can do it. every time I'm at a restaurant and I can't finish my meal, I hear the internal, like, you can do it, Mercy. Yeah, you can do it, Bruce. <laughs> so, Susan, can you kind of just give us a gist of what happens in the iconic chocolate cake scene? Yes, with detail. Uh, they're all called to an assembly because <laughs> I think he stole her chocolate cake, right? It's never clear. No, I do think she says that. I think she yeah. ate hit her special chocolate cake that Cookie made her. Mm. Her lover. She didn't get enough of eating out cookie earlier. So oh, yeah, I don't want to think about that. Um, so he ate her chocolate cake without her permission because she never gives children permission to do anything. And then they're all called to this assembly after school. So uh, they're all watching him eat 
this small piece of cake. And then she's like, oh, do you want some more? And then Bruce is all like, I'm on the moon. But he has food in his mouth. And then uh, he eats the entire chocolate cake. But he's going to throw up. So the entire audience of children, which actually very good actors. Good job, everybody. Wonderful job. They cheer him on. Literally, I feel inspired to eat more. I feel inspired to do something. Yeah. I don't know what I feel inspired to do. <laughs> like overthrow the government? Like yeah. that's what I'm ready to do after seeing that. Bruce for president. Brucey for president. Love that scene. Yeah, it's, it's so subversive. And Roald Dahl does this so well, but he can like write with a child's mind, but an adult's perspective. None of these kids characters and none of the adult characters either are one dimensional. There's always like more to the story and they speak like adults. That's one of my favorite things. We talked about this in Now and Then, mm-hmm. um, our episode on Now and Then, but the children characters are treated like adults and have adult conversations. And I appreciate the, like, amount of emotion and, like, connection that these kids have to, like, kind of lead this mini revolt in this scene. And it just, like, feels so good. Yes. On many, many levels. It is a mini revolt because they're small. Mini. (laughs) (laughs) Danny DeVito is leading them. Yes, he is. He's at the front of the pack. He's behind the monitor just being like, I get being small. Yes. I love Danny, that oily man from the couch. (laughs) Man, he's done so much good for the world. So concentrated. Concentrated amount of good. Yeah. (laughs) Dense. I can't. A a densely good person. Yes. Just like that cake. Yes. So would y'all... I don't know. No, I wouldn't eat the cake. Is that what you're going to ask? Absolutely I would. Do you want to eat cake now? Yeah. It's my birthday. True. Yeah. It's your birthday. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday. Susan's also a singer. (laughs) Better than that. (laughs) She's literally more famous than anyone I've ever met. Liar. Liar. That's from, um, that's from, um, Legally Blonde, where she throws the chocolate. Liar. She's watching the the soap opera. Liar. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about, like, my number one favorite character in this fucking movie, Miss Honey. Miss Honey is hot. I'm s- I want to live with Miss Honey. It was so weird as a kid watching this because I was like, I want to, her to adopt me and I want to have sex with her. Yeah, like that's weird. <laughs> right. That's, that's an Oedipus complex for <laughs> it was sure. hard enough for me to figure out I was gay, but then I was like, why do I want to live with her, have her read me books, and then have sex with her? <laughs> yeah, like this, uh, this should be questioned. She also lives alone. <gasps> lesbian. Okay. <laughs> okay, Miss Honey's a lesbian. Absolutely. Clearly. I like, mean, clearly. That's what I was saying. Like, Trunchbull and Miss Honey's lives could, you know, you watch them happen, like, as a fork in the road. Like, she, mm-hmm. Miss Honey was watered, so to speak, but Miss Trunchbull wasn't. But, you know, they're both very clearly lesbians. Yeah, right. They're also, both still isolated by society in a weird way. Like, neither seem to have many friends. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just quote the movie. <clears throat> this is evidence for your subtextual plot of Miss Honey being <laughs> lesbian. I've got a nice house, a nice husband, and you have to teach snot-nosed children how to read. Remember? (laughs) When Miss Honey goes over to Matilda, and she's all like, I know every word to this movie, um, where she's like, uh, Mr. Wormwood, uh, Matilda's a bright young child. And then, oh, you went to college. (laughs) And then like the straightest woman in the entire (laughs) Though, I have a theory theory that if Miss Honey and her, she would have a threesome. I thought about this before the podcast. I was going to put this in there. I think she'd have a threesome with Miss Honey and Danny DeVito. Oh, his wife. You know, they're married in real life. Exactly. 
Isn't that fucking weird? They got divorced. They're separated. Aww, rip. But they but, were together for a long time. Yes, for a very long time. I don't think Miss Honey would be down. DeVito doesn't seem like her type. I think Miss Honey would go for more like a carpenter, like a, someone yeah. like who's quiet. Someone come and work on her cottage, so to speak. <laughs> because she has a really good rapport with Matilda because Matilda gives her the space to like speak, you know. That makes me emotional, Sam. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, my oh God. you know, she would fall in love with like the local hot priest. Yes. You know what I mean? Or hot. Hot rabbi. Rabbis can be women. Hot rabbi. All right. Rachel Weiss. Yeah. Playing a rabbi. There we go. Yeah. Get some mummy references in here. Yes. And mm-hmm. disobedience, which we're going to cover very, very soon. Yay. I didn't watch that, but I've heard of it. Good. Oh, wait, can I do This is just a sidebar. This is nothing to Please. do with our show. Please cut this out. I'm just going to impersonate Lizzie Borden from the Lizzie Borden movie. <laughs> <laughs> here are my titties. Time to die. <laughs> Father, I don't know why you're talking to me this way. I want to go out to the show. I'm Lizzie Borden. <laughs> she talks like that the entire film. She, like an AI robot that's just learned to speak. But I love her. I love that actress, Claire... Chloe Sevigny. Chloe Sevigny. I love her, but Same. I just love making fun of her uh, choice of Lizzie Borden's voice. I think she's great as Lizzie Borden, too, but I just think it's funny. Did no, you watch yeah. or did you listen to our episode? I did, Lizzie? and then I watched the movie with Olivia, but I mean... With my partner. I don't know who you're talking about. There's no one else in this room. Yeah, Beep. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Miss Honey is literally so hot. <laughs> we went on 17 tangents. <laughs> I think I just wanted to let you know that I watched the Lizzie Board. I know we're going back on the tangent. We'll go back to Miss Honey. I did watch that movie because of the podcast. Thank it you. It was not marketed correctly. I don't know who that movie was for, but I don't think it found its audience. I, I don't know. I thought it was, um, I thought that they were very brave when they um, did this. Like, I was watching Kristen Stewart's performance, and as an actor, I was like, I just, her being naked and having to be so vulnerable and in such a hard circumstance, like, that's phenomenal work for both of them. Um, the movie was very sad. Yeah, it did seem like a a, I don't want to say a waste because their performances were incredible, but it it seems unfortunate that how good their performance were was was not matched by the quality of storytelling so Mm -hmm. that it's lost. Like people won't go back to revisit the script probably. And I I don't know. It's a lot of different things in film. Like you can't just blame one thing because it's Mm -hmm. it's a community that comes together to make movies. But anyway. It is hard to put your finger on why that movie didn't quite work because, like, for some behind-the-scenes context, we actually sat down to record that episode multiple times, but it just didn't quite, like, it just wouldn't happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, some sort of block. And I think it's the spirit of Lizzie Borden. Like, she was silenced for so long about so many things. Obviously, she was, like, the most repressed person. Not just her sexuality, but, like, her feelings towards her family. Like, you don't just fucking bald face murder your entire family if you don't have repressed feelings you know what I mean yeah so I think that she never got to tell her story and I don't think her story has been accurately told so therefore I think there's like some sort of block we have yeah some sort of like ghost voodoo because I felt like the fucking spirit of Lizzie Borden like kind of looking at me while I was doing this episode and I was like I'm not here for that fun fact um I did a project on Lizzie I know we're not talking let's go back to Miss Honey no Lizzie Borden is relevant um I did a project on her when I was um in fifth grade really yeah I did um so like I was really interested I looked at crime scene photos as like a 10 year old uh but I don't know I wanted to watch the movie because 
of that. Like I like learned about her as a child and I was like, I have a cool murder. And I didn't win. I did not win the social studies fair. Who won? Uh, someone who did the deaf guy, or the blind guy who plays the horn. What's his name? He's famous. Plays the horn? Yes. I always uh, looked at oh, Ray Charles. Ray Charles. I think Ray Charles plays piano. Or maybe I'm making it up because, you know, memory is not, you know, never mind. Let's you go know on. who played the horn? Miss Honey, probably. There we go. <laughs> I'm not sure what that innuendo is supposed to mean, but she probably did play it. She's multi-talented. So, like, the ending of this movie is literally the happiest ending of any movie ever, right? Mm -hmm. She gets adopted. She gets adopted, and there's that beautiful montage of them, like, hula hooping and, and yes. skating. and Reading the, Moby Dick. Yeah. Moby Dick by Herman Melville. Moby what? <laughs> yes. You had better work. <laughs> favorite. Okay, wait. Can we talk a little bit about Matilda's powers? Because... In my mind, like whenever people describe this film, they're like, oh, yeah, the movie about the girl with the powers. But she doesn't develop her powers until like almost halfway through the film. And they're not a huge part of what happens. Like it almost makes me think that it's a metaphor for her empowerment as a human being. Lesbian. For her empowerment as a lesbian. <laughs> uh, I think there's so many intersecting um, ideologies and then there's like parallels with like witches and being queer that like come to mind. But I think it is a really neat way of storytelling that that forces Matilda to be othered and then mm -hmm. forces her to have a chosen family, which is so parallel to being a queer person Yeah, that your family doesn't understand you and you have no solace in them and you can seek that outside with people who get you on like an emotional and intelligence level so that's why it always really struck me as gay like I was like uh, she, maybe she's a witch but she's like a lesbian no Matilda's totally a gay person in her household like a queer person like she was so different from her entire family mm -hmm. and then she was like reading books and they were watching tv about sticky with mickey because <laughs> yeah. they were sticky with mickey you know yeah but she's reading Moby Dick by Herman Melville <laughs> Moby what <laughs> that's her favorite joke no, from the get, like from like baby born Matilda, she definitely reads as gay. Mm -hmm. What do you think Matilda would be doing now? What Miss Honey's doing? Living in a cottage, teaching children. <laughs> I think she'd be one of those professors where like the whole floor to ceiling is chalkboard and they're doing like a bunch of equations and she has like a bunch of research assistants and she works at a university and she's like hella intelligent. And she goes and speaks at conferences. And I bet she only had, like, one partner her entire life because she's so smart and advanced. I think it kind of isolates her later in life. And mm -hmm. she has, But she has, like, that one, like, her person. They find each other and fall in love. Mm -hmm. Who is it? It's, like... It's um her friend from the school. It's Lavender. Oh, Lavender. Oh. She goes, wow. That's my favorite part when she... Uh, I didn't I know I could do that. I know. She goes, wow. She's the... Deepest voice for a four-year-old. Or I guess she's not four. <laughs> she's probably like six. Yeah. But Same she, thing. But she's she's like, a minor. I love that character when she goes, wow. <laughs> Every character has such a backstory without even needing a backstory. You yeah. know what I mean? Shout out to the newt in Matilda. Oh, yeah, the newt. It's a newt. It's a bug. It's a bug. Actually, it's a newt. You know, that was based off of real life. Apparently, Roald Dahl, who wrote the book, Matilda, uh, grew up in a town where the sweet shop owner was like this ornery old lady who everyone hated. And so to prank her one day, they put a dead mouse in the gobstopper jar. And that kind of like stuck with him through life. And he used that as the newt scene inspiration. Wow. wow. So unsanitary. All right. Someone steal my idea. 
This is just, I'm going to come out right now on subtextual. <laughs> and <We're> high- listening. <laughs> All <laughs> right. <laughs> in high school, I wrote the wicked version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And I'm just going to put the plot out there. So basically, it's called Willard Wonka and the Torture Factory, because what you didn't know about Willy Wonka is that he had a half-brother named Willard. So you know how he wants to give the factory away by sending out golden tickets? You don't know that he has a half-brother. His half-brother finds out, and he goes, Willy, how could you? He throws Willy Wonka and ties him up and throws him in the closet of his office and brainwashes all the Oompa Loompas, which is why they sing and dance, and plots to kill all the children that are coming to maybe be a predecessor, which is why they almost all die. And high school me made a gay plot line. You better work. Slugworth and Willie. Slugworth is in love with Willy Wonka. Anyway, the end. I would pay so much fucking money to see that. I have the entire script and I plan on doing the Slugworth lament. I will sing one Slugworth's lament. Because I'm sluggy, sluggy Slugworth, a no good, worthless man. To you, just a nobody, but I was your biggest fan. And you know what it's giving? Cellophane. That's Mr. Cellophane. (laughs) All right, we'll wrap this up. I think we talked about every little bit of plot there is to plot, and every character there is to character. Miss Um, Honey, call me. How do you think she feels being a? uh, I think that that she is a gay icon, right, Miss Honey? Absolutely, she's a gay icon. My friend messaged me and was just like, "Hey, I rewatched Matilda recently, and Miss Honey's really hot. Does it seem gay to you? Maybe you should do that." (laughs) I love getting those text messages from our friends because I'm like, "They're it's all my straight friends who'll be like, "Hey, is this kind of gay?" Straight people have a great great gaydar. Yes, they're like. This isn't for me. <laughs> hey, I don't think I'm feeling what I'm supposed to be feeling here. <laughs> Miss uh, Honey's for everyone. I just want to do a sentimental beat really quick. So, Lizzie, you can put this at the end. I literally, so I'm a dog walker and I listen to this. I literally have to walk in snowstorms because I am located in Chicago. But I, uh, I listen to this podcast literally every week when it comes out. And it's like, you guys are still hanging out with me in my ears. And it's so cool that I got to be on the podcast. We are literally doing this podcast for you. Yeah. No, No, like literally. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes me and Lizzie will get like, oh, like, oh, what what are we doing here? And we'll get down on ourselves. And then we'll, someone will reach out and be like, hey, that episode made me cry. Or when I hear this, it makes me happy. Or I would love to watch a movie with you guys. Someone will comment that. And it'll just, it'll make my whole entire day because, you know, I this is how I feel with you this is how I feel with Lizzie like you guys are my friends and it means the world that I can like fucking talk about how Miss Honey is a huge lesbian <laughs> you know so if anyone's listening to this and has shared any of my ideas or finds any solace in any of this oh and I'm gonna be super sentimental uh, Sam I when I was questioning because I grew up very religious and hated myself for a long time I remember crying in that bathroom do you remember that like do you remember this? Do I you do remember that. I do remember. Sam this. is a very supportive friend. Um, so is Lizzie, and I cried to both of them when I was questioning. Uh, it's hard being from Elmer, Louisiana, uh, but both of them are very good people. Please listen to their podcast. What they do is very important, and I hope it's empowering all of you out there. Thank you, Susan. Oh God, I'm crying. <laughs> Oh, on your birthday, we're fucking monsters. No, hey, it's her birthday. She can cry if she wants to. I'm just a vulnerable actor who doesn't know when to shut up. So you're welcome. Ah, oh, Susan, thank Never you. Never shut thank up. You. Pam, where's my Oscar? <laughs> where's my Oscar for you guys Pam? Can share one. You and Pam. Oh God. Wow, that's intimate. Oh. So let me reiterate, Miss Honey. Uh, call me. That's literally 
every review on Letterboxd for this film. It's like, <laughs> hi, Miss Honey, I'm free on Friday. Well, I'm going to be that weirdo that never had a crush on Miss Honey. You didn't? I don't have a teacher thing. It's and not, I dated a teacher in college. It's and I a don't hot have... person thing. What do you mean, a teacher thing? I just thought she was just Matilda's friend. I was like, that would be my friend. Oh, wait. really good best friends and I would do everything for her. Wow, they were roommates. <laughs> yeah, they were roommates. And why did they make her seem like a hobbit? They like put her in a hobbit hole. she's gay. I love her cottage. Head flowers. Both her and Trunchbull are alone because that's what yeah. gay people end up doing, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. That's why Elsa from Frozen is gay is because she doesn't end up with a man. And at that point, like if it's a mainstream movie and the woman does not end up with another man, they're gay. They're in a Boston marriage. I know what that means. What, what, Wait, does, that mean? what does that mean? That's what they used to call um, when women would live as friends in uh, I think it was like the late 1800s they would be called Boston marriages Mm -hmm. Boston's gay apparently Boston. Hey, Dunkin' Donuts. Hey. Hey, man, everyone here is gay. Clam chowder. They're wicked gay. <laughs> They're wicked gay. Yeah. How about them apples? <laughs> they say that. That's from that movie. Goodwill hunting. Good hunting. Oh, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Do you like your... apples? <laughs> we should play fault. the Goodwill hunting game. You know how to play it? No. You just we, cry we all just say it's not your fault to each other until someone cries. <laughs> we like have a therapist game. in the closet with us today. You can tell because she hasn't said a word. She's a very good therapist. Okay, so a little surprise for our listeners. I don't know if we'll keep this in because it might be so fucking random. But Olivia, would you like to say hi? I would love to say hi. Hey, everyone. Oh, my God. Olivia is Susan's partner. Wow. I'm so honored to be here. (laughs) She has been patiently waiting in this hot closet listening to us. I guarantee you this was her favorite part of her day. Yeah, definitely uh, relate to the Miss Honey's hot Thing. She's got a teacher thing. Miss Honey forever, yo. Uh, I also have a, a Susan Gordon actor thing. Ooh. All right, we're done now. That's, that's almost too <laughs> cute. We're cutting you off, Olivia. I just wanted the listeners to know that we have help. You know, a lot of people are worried Lizzie and I don't get enough help. We're being watched. You know, <laughs> we're being supervised. I knew them both before therapy. And let me tell you, they're way more grounded, just like myself. I'm also on medication. Ayo, Prozac. Yeah, let's go around and talk about the medications we're on. Lizzie? Um, so I'm on an herbal blend of passion I've seen flower. It. I've seen it. I was at her place and I saw the oils. See, I am a witch, mom. It didn't work. Matilda <laughs> made me a witch. But yeah, we don't. We don't have to talk about our medication. I anyway. will just anyone who's OCD. If you need, to, I'm just such an actor. Um, vulnerable. Uh, please get on Prozac or try medication if you've always tapped things alone. Prozac may cause diarrhea. <laughs> also, urinating yourself. No attraction to Miss Honey. A huge attraction to Cookie. <laughs> I'm not attracted to Cookie. Sure. I just like the way she scratched her butt. That's super straight. <laughs> the what? straightest thing we've said You're in welcome. this closet all day. All right, I have only but one more piece of information for you in this wrap-up. Technically, this film was not a commercial success. Really? Even though it received almost all great reviews from critics and audiences alike, it was made for a budget of $36 million, but only grossed $33.5 million in the U.S. Aww. It was a flop? It was technically a flop. However, since streaming has become a thing, I am sure that those extra $2.5 million have pushed it over the edge, and we can consider it a cultural success. Also, Roald Dahl's movie, uh, the original Willy Wonka is a flop too, and it's a cult classic now, and I think Matilda's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Hocus Pocus yeah. was a commercial flop. It lost money in theaters and made money on television and is a huge cultural it's success. literally the most famous Halloween movie. If you make a made. movie that 
like every person on planet Earth has seen. You, you've done a good job. Can't wait for another Halloween episode of Hocus Pocus. Oh, God. Yeah, there's some gay things to be said Super about gay. Hocus Pocus. Oh, and they just dropped the trailer for Hocus Pocus 2. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. She good. It's very good. Oh, my God. I was just in Disney World, and I sent Sam and uh, Lee a picture of this, but I saw the Bette Midler handprints <laughs> in front of the Chinese theater in Disney World, and I was like, oh, my God, she put her hands here. Did you put your hands there? Same size. You guys have the same size hands? Yes. Wow. Wow. My goal by the time I'm, um, she was in the Rose when she was 32, I think. My goal is to be almost as good as Bette Midler in the Rose by the time I'm 32. <laughs> I think you and Bette Midler are in the same Venn diagram, like a perfect circle. Dear God. Mm -hmm. I actually got the solo in middle school uh, on the Rose. Some say love. <laughs> It is a river, and you, it's only seed. And the end. Wow. Amazing. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, so we have a little game to play to wrap us out here. Okay. I actually forgot to tell you about this, Susan, so you're just going to have to wing it. Oh, yeah, I actually do know about this because I'm an avid fan. Sam, can you explain to us how the scores work? All right, so how the scores work is we rate it on how gay it is and how good it is, and then it's averaged, and we get a score out of 10. All right, so... Sam, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good is this movie? Ah, I love this movie. I'm going to give it an 8.5. Okay. Susan, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good is this movie? 10. Okay. That wasn't hard for me. Bit biased, but it is her birthday. <laughs> That's also one of my favorite movies. She did suggest it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a 9 because it's fucking awesome. So, Sam, on a scale of 1 to 10, how gay is this movie? Wow. Um, no gay sex, which means I can't get a perfect 10, but it really contributed to my gayness mm -hmm. and it like really fueled my inner crisis growing up about <laughs> who the hell I was attracted to. Uh, so I'll give it a six. All right. Susan, same question. On a scale of one to 10, how gay is this movie? Uh, Trunchbull is blatantly lesbian and deserves an Oscar. I'm going to throw these numbers off. Give it a 10. <laughs> hell yeah. Look, it's your life. <laughs> Do what you want. Um... I would say this movie is, like, super gay without saying it, which almost makes it better in a weird way. Um, what'd you give it, Sam? A six. I think I give it... She's going to prices right me. A seven. <laughs> yeah, that's what I fucking thought. <laughs> it's so fucking gay without actually being gay. There's literally three gay people in it. Yeah. No, four, if you count Danny DeVito. And the newt. So five. <laughs> the, newt. <laughs> the newt is gay. Lavender might be gay, too. Absolutely. It it gets an overall subtextual score of 8.42. Wow. That's pretty high. That's high, well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely. All right. <laughs> Susan, it's your birthday, so you get the final mic. Tell us what you've been up to, what you got going on, where we can find you. Uh, so I have an Instagram, Susan Gordon Actor. I'm trying to be better about social media. I don't know about any of you out there, but it's very intimidating. So you can follow me on that. In November, I will be in a feature film called Love and Improv, which is a romantic comedy, basically about whether or not um, you should choose love or your career, which is very modern. Um, reminds me of The Proposal starring Sandra Bullock. I fuck with that movie. Isn't it exciting, though, that rom-coms are coming back? I know you guys love them. I so. fucking love that shit. We have uh, predicted the... Second coming of rom-coms. They are literally, I'm in one. So like if an indie's doing it, you know the big <laughs> ones are doing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And then I'm going to play in New Orleans uh, called Dooza Fish Stars and Vi, which is a um, British 70s feminist play. It's a drama, but I'm the comedic relief, which is also exciting. I just genuinely have done nothing but very dark dramas for the past 10 years since I moved to Chicago. So I'm very excited to do both a rom-com and to be the comedic relief. So like exciting times for Susan Gordon, which is my name. Susan Gordon is living their best life. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for sharing your opinions. I have very strong ones about this movie. We appreciate it so, so, so much. Thanks for coming on our podcast. Thanks for listening. I have one thing that I want to do. All right. Uh, Subscribe to their Patreon. It's only $5. Also, dun, 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 dun. That's it. That's all I wanted to do. That's the music for the movie. That's the new outro. Yeah. Can we get that back? (laughs) Yeah, let's get some playback. That was great. You're welcome. If you'd like more bonus content, you can find us on patreon.com slash subtextualpod. We'll see you next week for another riveting episode of Subtextual.